the choices with those things, and, you know, obviously be able to walk out and, and be able to have those choices, I, I got to think about the graduates. And really, this message applies to anybody who's graduated kindergarten, for that matter. So uh, as long as you're in that, I think this will apply to you. You have the opportunity to do this. But the choice I want to talk about today is the choice of responsibility. And in the choice of responsibility, I want to talk about whether you choose to be responsible or whether you choose to be irresponsible, because we all have that choice. And if you walk out in society, you see that there are people that choose both. And as we discuss it today, I want to look both at culture, but I also want to look at ourselves. Because I think sometimes we can get so focused on culture, we take it off ourselves. And the question I want to ask you today, and I want you to hold on to, is this. Am I being responsible for my life? Really? And add the really on the end of it, because we can, we can take that question. We can take, am I responsible for my life? And say, yeah, of course I am. But when you add really, it kind of adds a little depth to that question. It adds a little bit of depth to the question, and as it adds that depth, it says, am I really taking responsibility? Because responsibility really isn't a difficult concept to grasp. Neither is irresponsibility. As a matter of fact, they kind of go hand in hand, because irresponsibility is when I don't take responsibility for the things I'm supposed to be responsible for. I mean, when it just really boils down to it, that's what it is. And the definition actually is just lacking a sense of responsibility. And the thing about irresponsibility is kind of like greed. It's kind of like some of those little kind of subtle sins that we have in our life that it's easy for us to see it in everybody else, but it's not quite as easy for us to see in ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we don't see irresponsibility. But sure, we can watch the news and we can see irresponsibility. And sure, we can watch what goes on within the company we work for and see irresponsibility or the school that we work at or the school that we attend or whatever it might be. We see that irresponsibility. But when we look at ourselves, it's so difficult. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about this this idea that irresponsibility is almost impossible to see in my life, but so easy to see in others. You know, I don't know, but I'd be willing to bet as you watch the news, as you look at culture, as you read the newspaper, if if you still do that, um, when you see those things, I'd be willing to bet that we can say that culture is becoming more and more irresponsible. It's, It's not, unfortunately, becoming more and more responsible. And the reason for that and the reason why I see it is it's kind of mind-boggling. And I, I started to try and figure it out. Say, is it because we're such an affluent culture and affluence is, is creating an entitlement and that entitlement is, is, is breeding irresponsibility because we don't have to be responsible, we just get? Or is it maybe a little bit more of kind of a distortion of what we might call our civil rights? And I'm not talking about the civil rights movement of the 60s. I'm talking about when we look at the Constitution and we say, well, I have the right to do this. And in that, we begin to distort to the point we say, I have the right to be irresponsible. And even more so that I have the right to be irresponsible, you don't have the right to hold me accountable for being irresponsible. And when we look at culture and we see that and we feel that out, we say, how does it get here? The thing is, is even as we look at this, I have the right to be responsible, but you don't have the right to hold me accountable. Do you know what the one thing you do have the right to do is? Is clean up the mess. Clean up the mess from my irresponsibility. Clean up the mess and the chaos that comes from it. See, you are responsible to foot the bill of my irresponsibility. And as we hold on to that, and as we look at that, we have this thinking that as Americans, we have the right to be 
irresponsible. That we have the right to do these things, and I don't have to be held accountable to you. Now, I'm not going to give you a bunch of examples of this. Because if I did, I'd probably go down a very political route, and that's not what I do. I don't like to go that route. But you know what? My guess is it's already popping around your head. You're already thinking about things that are irresponsible. You're already thinking about things that, that happen within society. You're already thinking about things that happen within the company that you work for. You're already thinking about the things that are happening at the school that you attend. You're already thinking about those things because that's naturally what we go to. Because remember what I said, it's easy to see irresponsibility in others. It's not so easy to see it in ourselves. It's easy to point the blame at others and say, this is what the problem is. But really, it's something that attacks us all. It's all a part of our world. Not their world, but our world. Our families, we see it show up in our families. We see it show up in our companies. We see it show up in our churches. We see it show up in our nation. And you know what's contagious? Irresponsibility is contagious, and I think the reason for it being contagious is because it's rewarded. It's rewarded. See, if I want to be a responsible person, I'm going to be somebody who works hard. I'm going to be somebody who does my job. I'm going to be somebody who pays my own way. I'm going to be somebody who who cleans up my own messes. I'm going to be somebody who is going to hold on to the things that I am responsible for. But we take a little turn on that and say, why should I be when those who aren't doing those things are being rewarded? I was listening to a podcast by Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in Georgia area, and he said this. He said, whatever is rewarded is repeated. And as we reward irresponsibility, as we actually celebrate irresponsibility, well, guess what's going to be bred? More irresponsibility. We're going to continue to be irresponsible. We're going to continue to push that off. But like I've already said, if it's being repeated, somebody has to foot that bill. See, anytime an individual or a group of people acts irresponsible, somebody else has to shoulder the burden of their irresponsibility. And who is that somebody else in their lives, in our lives? See, irresponsibility is not a neutral thing. It affects everybody that is around us. If I am being irresponsible, it's going to affect my kids. It's going to affect my family. It's going to affect you because we are connected. It's going to affect somebody along the way. And you know, it's funny because I think about how it should change the way we view things. How, when I know that somebody else has to carry that burden, shouldn't I take that responsibility on myself not to make sure that it gets put on somebody else? And I thought about this, and and I heard a story from a guy one time, and he was telling me how he parents and how he teaches this responsibility thing and how he teaches against irresponsibility. And he said, it might not be the best way of parenting, but it's the way that I do it, so you can take it however you want. And he's telling the story. He said, this this is what I do. He goes, I call up my kids when I go into their room, and I see a towel in the middle of the floor. When I see their dirty clothes in the middle of the floor... I know they're supposed to have picked that up. They know they were supposed to have picked that up. They know where that's supposed to go. So what I do is I call them up to their room, and he says, child of mine, come up here. I need to see you. And they up the stairs, and they go into the room. And while they're in the room, he says, what I need you to do me a favor is I need you to, and before he can even get out of their mouth, they're bending over to pick up that towel. They're bending over to pick up those clothes. And he says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. He says, what I'd like you to do so I'd like to have you ask me to pick up your clothes for you. I'm like, no, Dad, I'm, I'm, no, I'm right here. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I need you to ask me to pick up your clothes for you. 
Because essentially, that's what your responsibility is doing. The original intention for leaving that in the middle of the room is, is somebody else will pick it up eventually. So I just want you to ask me. So let's just get to it. Because you're essentially asking me anyway. And they'd be like, but Dad, I don't want to just ask me. Dad, will you please pick up my... Yeah. And, and that's the mentality we have. And he said, that just gets bigger. It even gets to the point that for whatever reason, that there's a dirty clothes bin, a hamper, that is sitting right there. And all the dirty clothes are generally where? On the floor around it, right? Because that extra inch is so difficult to get those so heavy, so smelly. You don't want to put it inside there. So what he said, he actually calls his wife up and his kids up and says, what I need you to do is I need you to ask your mother to pick all that stuff up and put it in the bin for you since it was so difficult for you to be responsible and do it yourself. He goes, I'm not the best parent, but it sure does get the point across. And I think about that even in our own lives. I think about it any time that somebody is irresponsible. Somebody else has to pick it up. Somebody else has to clean up the mess. Somebody else has to come along. See, irresponsibility impacts everybody that's connected to that irresponsible person. And if I sidestep my responsibility, whether it be within my household, I have financial responsibilities, but let's say I go on an irresponsible binge and I want to buy a bunch of stuff for myself. Somebody else is going to have to pay for that? You know it. Let's just say that I can't control my anger and I can't control my temper and in the process that I'm banging things and I'm kicking things and I put a hole in the wall and at the same time I'm yelling and I'm screaming. Is somebody else going to have to pay for that? Yes. Think about each one of the steps in our lives, whether it be domestic or relational or financial. By nature, you being irresponsible creates somebody else to have to take up the responsibility of that. And I think about that, and I think about how big of a deal it is, and how big of it is within the community, and how big it is within the family, and how big it is even within the church. And I think about the irresponsibility. And I think about what can we do about it? How can we change it? How can we realize it's not just about me? That this is a corporate thing, that somebody has to pay the bill. And you know, it's really, really easy for me to say, man, Look at culture. Look at the way all this stuff's going down. Look at what the news has to say. How much worse can it get? How much more irresponsible can we be? How many more people are going to be reliant on the government? How, I mean, we can say all the things that we want to say. But like I said this morning, is I don't just want to look out there. I want to look here. And I want to look at the times because there's something in all of us, that at some point in time, we want to sidestep our responsibility. Every time I go to Best Buy, I want to sidestep my responsibilities. And it's a difficult thing, but think about it as this. Think about it as a Christian. If you are a Bible-believing, Christ-following Christian, Think about the responsibilities that you have. If you are not, I would like to pray for you that you would meet Jesus today. And I say that very tenderly because in this part of the message, it's not so much for you, but you can probably see it within the church. You can probably see it within the community of the church looking from the outside as you visit here today. There is something in all of us that wants to do it, but Christians shouldn't. They've got to stop doing that. Because we have this ability to shirk our responsibility, but as we push that responsibility off, we are not ultimately accountable to our moms. 
And we are not ultimately accountable to our dads. And we're not accountable to our spouses ultimately or our kids ultimately. Who are we ultimately accountable to? God, our Heavenly Father. And He has given us great responsibility. He has put these responsibilities on us. See, Christians should be the most responsible people on the planet. Because we understand the way that God has created civilization. We understand how he's created the structure of a country. We understand how he's created the structure of a family. And when we look at that, we should take responsibility and say, he's created it. Let us follow through with it. But we also have this weird tendency to let ourselves get in the way. And I think about it, we talked about it last week. We talked about blessed last week. We said hashtag blessed. And as we tied in hashtag blessed, we said these are the way that God has blessed us. And, and sometimes we use the word out of its actual context and we think material goods are our blessings and they are gifts from God that we have been blessed with. But really, him and himself, he is the blessing. But as we look at that, and he has given us that blessing, hasn't he given us so much more to be responsible for? Hasn't he given us the power of the Holy Spirit? Hasn't he given us his son, Jesus Christ? Hasn't he given us life? Hasn't he given us financial wealth? And I know you might be thinking, well, I'm not really that financially wealthy, but I do want you to think about this, that America, if you make over $25,000, you are richer than 96% of the rest of the world. That's $25,000. We're doing pretty well. And we think about the the blessings, if you want to use that. We've been given great responsibility, and and we, we talked about, or great power, and we talked about it last week with the idea of Uncle Ben and Peter Parker, and we said, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Spider Man, but that's a whole other thing. All right. It's the truth of the matter. We have been given so much, but we have this tendency to kind of push it off and say, it's not really my responsibility. But if you stop and you break down the New Testament and you look at this one phrase that's in there often, it says, one another. And it's Paul writing a lot of the times. It's Jesus talking some of the times. And he says, what we have to do is we have to Build up one another. We have to love one another. We have to encourage one another. As a matter of fact, that shows up a hundred times in the New Testament. And he's talking about this responsibility of us to each other and us to the world that isn't the each other's. And he's talking about we need to be doing these things. And in that hundred times, 59 of them are unique. And of those 59, there's three major themes that show up. Three major themes that the church should be doing. And the three major things that the church should be doing are these three things. Unity, humility, and love. That's the one another's that are thrown out there. Unity, humility, and love. But when we stop, when we look at the church, when we look at not just our church, but the church of America, the church of the world, the followers of Jesus Christ, are those the three words that describe us? I'd have to say no. And I think you would too. Because we have blown off that responsibility to do the one another's. Because instead of having unity, I'd say we'd rather disjoin it. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there are over 40,000 different denominations of Christian. 40,000. Where did we miss? 
As a matter of fact, right now, there is a denomination up in Portland, Oregon, having their grand meeting. And as they have their grand meeting, they're getting ready to split because half of them say, well, we should allow um, um, homosexuals to be preachers and pastors. And the others say, no, we shouldn't. And they're getting ready to split instead of trying to figure out what to do. And they're saying, we're just going to go our way. We're going to go our way. And that's, so we're going to add one more to it. And we see that play itself out, and we say, why is the world looking at the church and saying we've failed? Because we are not unified. We also don't have humility. Would you say the church has a thing about we're right, you're wrong? And that's the message we're preaching? Instead of having unity, instead of having humility, and especially love. I mean, a lot of times we look at love and we say we're actually doing the opposite of it, and some people say, well, yeah, that's hate, right? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite love is apathy and indifference. And we are apathetic and we are indifferent to the culture that's around us. But God has given us a responsibility. We were talking uh, in, in our men's Bible study in, in uh, Romans. We're in Romans chapter 9. The beginning of Romans chapter 9, Paul talks about he has this deep anguish in his heart for the people that he knows that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So much so he says, I am willing to give up my salvation that they might meet Jesus. That is a responsibility that Christ has given us. That is the power that he has given us through the Holy Spirit to have that anguish because we see it, but we don't have that because we're apathetic and we're indifferent. That is the description of the church. We like to get into our holy huddles and we forget there's people out there that need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They need to have that hope in their lives. God's given us that great responsibility. And I look at it and I say, well, when did everything go so haywire? When did we lose the thinking of responsibility? When did we let irresponsibility become such a big problem? And I started looking at it, and I said, you know, it all started at the beginning, because that's where things start at. And when I mean the beginning, I mean the book of Genesis. So flip over to the book of Genesis chapter 1 for me, if you would. And we look at the book of Genesis, and I want to look at it from a different filter, because you've probably heard this passage a time or a thousand in your life. And as we hear this, I want to see it from a different filter, and that is the filter of irresponsibility. We're going to pick up starting in verse 27, and what God has done is he's created everything up to this point except for man. And verse 27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now this leads us up to the next verse. And seeing this, I want you to see something, that, that before God gave us rules, See, that that whole idea of don't eat from this one tree in the garden hadn't come up yet. But watch what comes up first. Responsibility. It says, and God blessed them, verse 28. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in other words, God's giving him responsibility to do what? Go make babies. That's his responsibility. Don't just make babies, but go and subdue the earth. Be over the earth. Take care of what I've given you. That's really it. Go make babies. Take care of what I've given you. There's no rules. As a matter of fact, he hasn't even gotten to the tree rule yet. And one thing I want you to see, this kind of a side note, is this. When people take responsibility, rules, or a lot of rules, aren't nearly as necessary. Because people will just do what they're supposed to do instead of being told what they have to do. And that's actually where it picks up in verse 29. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in it and its fruit. You shall have them for food. So, so God gave them first responsibility before he gave them any other rules. And you know what that kind of led me to in thinking? Is that we're created for responsibility. We were created to be responsible. I, I want you to, to think about this in, just in, in the area of this. We're walking with graduates. There is this great joy for a graduate to say, I finally did it. There's great joy for a parent to say, they finally did it. And the reason for that is there's this responsibility that's attached to it, and that responsibility is being fulfilled. And when we fulfill our responsibilities, joy comes from it. And it comes from it in parenting. It comes from it in our jobs at work. It even comes from just doing the little things. You know, I, I don't know what went on in Levi's life when he was in the orphanage. Levi's a little guy from, from China. But he loves to help out around the house. When Christy takes laundry out of the dryer, he wants to help spread it. When I go out and wash the car, I, I know it's weird. I mean, he wants to. He's like, here. And I'm like, what are you doing? Who? Go play like any other kid would run away from the laundry. But he wants to help me wash the car. And I'll tell you, it is, it's crazy to watch. I don't like people helping me wash the car because they don't do it right. I do it right. And, uh, and so he comes out and he wants to help me wash the car. And I give him a sponge. And you know what happens? The same thing happens when he's doing the laundry. He gets this giant smile on his face. And he's standing there, and he's just washing away in this big smile. His pants are falling down. He's got a little crevice showing there, and it's just a little cute picture, this squatted little body washing the car. And he's so excited to be able to do it. And the reason why? It's because he's fulfilling responsibility. That is how God created us. Because think about people who are irresponsible. How often are they just smiling? How often after they shirk their responsibilities, after they push the blame onto somebody else, are they like, yep, No. They don't, because we were created to be responsible. And the thing is, is that we see what happens next. You know what happens next in this passage that's in Genesis. See, I don't know how much time took place between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, but we know that a serpent came down, and a serpent came down to, to Eve, and Adam's standing by with a doofus look on his face, and the servant talks to Eve, and then the serpent talks, and he says, hey, you need to eat this, and she's going through back and forth. Ultimately, she eats it. She hands it to Adam. He eats it. And Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 8, says this. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, when we blow off our responsibility, when we sin, when we do things that we know aren't right, we will try and hide from God. The thing is, you can't hide from God. And the Lord God, in verse 9, says, he called out to the man and said, where are you? Do you think God knows where he is? Yeah. Just like I know when my son does something wrong, and I say, hey, you know how this happened? And their typical answer is, I don't know. Uh, it, that's what Adam says back here. And he says here in verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I've commanded you not to eat? In other words, God's doing what? He's holding Adam accountable for his actions. He's trying to hold him responsible for it. And the beautiful thing is, is that, like I said before, there wasn't a whole lot of rules. There was only one rule in place because he 
wanted Adam and Eve to be responsible. He wanted them to hold that. There was only one rule, and they broke that one rule. But the great thing is, in verse 12, Adam says this, yes, I broke the rule. I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me what you will, but leave out of this. She's innocent, right? That's what that screen says. It says Genesis 3, 12 on it, right? Wouldn't life have been so much different had Adam responded in such a way? Wouldn't that been awesome that somebody actually takes responsibility for their misdeeds to say, I did make a mistake, however, I would like to take responsibility for that mistake? Unfortunately, this is really how Adam responds. The man said, the woman, it's not my fault. It's not even the woman's fault because it's not just the woman, but it's the woman what? Who you gave me, God. That's right. I was sitting here in the garden. It was all good. I was counting animals, figuring out how to name trees. And all of a sudden you put me to sleep. You took a rib out and you gave me that. It's your fault. It is absolutely 100. I was fine. I was a little bit lonely, but I was fine. The funny thing is we laugh and we say, oh, yeah. Have you ever experienced that in your own relationship before? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because we're all just like Adam, isn't it? He shuns that gift. He says, I'm not responsible for this. It's a woman that you gave me. Then verse 13, Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And she said, oh, you're right, God. Nope. Once again, no responsibility on my plate. I'm pushing it off to a serpent. And the serpent's like, yep, all my fault, and I like it. It was my plan all along. And it was all what took place, and, you know, as we see this play itself out, we see something new breed from irresponsibility. And irresponsibility starts to breed this conflict. A conflict between us, each other. A conflict between us and God. And a conflict even more so in my own soul. Because, see, when that conflict happens with others, it's going to cause some tension. It's going to cause some fighting. It's going to cause the he said, she said. It's going to cause the who's right, who's wrong. It's going to cause those things. Between us and God, it's going to be, God, why did you do that? I don't understand that your plan is bigger than my plan, but I'm just going to ask why you did that. And I'm going to blame you for the things that you do wrong, but I'm not going to give you credit for the things that you do right. And this is the way the conflict's going to take place. And then, on top of it all, the conflict that's really going to tear me up is the one that's inside. Because even when I blame everybody else, and even when I take all the responsibility I push it off on you. And even when I finally feel good enough that I won that argument, guess what? I know what's right. I know the right answer inside here, and it's killing me. And that conflict brews up inside of us. And as we see it brew up inside of us, we have to understand that we're designed to be responsible. We were designed for that, and it causes this conflict in our, in our hearts, and it causes this conflict in our souls, and it, it really holds us back from doing the will of God because we're blaming Him for whatever it might be. And we blow off these responsibilities, and we say, oh, somebody else needs to shoulder this burden. Somebody else needs to do this. I'm just going to live irresponsible because it's my civil right. It's my right to be irresponsible, and it's not your right to hold me accountable. One of the things I've been really trying to focus on as we do our men's Bible study on Friday mornings is asking a question before we leave. 
Because it's great to be able to study the Bible. It's great to be able to, to talk about it. And the book of Romans has plenty to talk about, plenty of opportunity to be able to say, well, what about this and what about that? And all of these things that come up with it. But one thing I've been trying to do before we leave every time is, is what are you going to do with it? Because that's the most important part. How are you going to apply it? How are you going to take this and apply it to your life? And I would like to ask you to take this thought of responsibility versus irresponsibility and and apply it to your life with two different things. These are my two challenges to you. First is this. This week, I would like you to listen to your blame. I'd like for you to listen to your blame. And when I say that, think about the immediate excuses that you come up with when a situation arises whether they come out of your mouth or they're just rattling around your head, think about the excuses that we come up with. And I thought about this from from the standpoint of of just about everything. And I know we have some teachers in here. And I know that we have some some, uh, counselors that that are in here and and some different people that that get to to work with students. And at the end of the year, one of the beautiful things about the end of the year, I I, uh, actually have a degree in elementary education, so I got to experience this as, as well a little bit. But at the end of the year is when those students come to you and say, what can I do to pass? I know for the last whole year I have done nothing. But if in these next three days I can do something to pass, I will do anything. Can you give me extra credit? And you're like, can you do regular credit? That is our immediate response. But I have friends who are counselors who get phone calls from parents and say, well, the teacher did this, or the school did this, or the book they don't understand is this, whatever it is. And it comes up at the end of the year, not during the year or anything along those lines. So they're trying to do what? Shift that blame. Not my fault. Maybe. 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 Maybe I've gotten one myself. Um, The thing is, is that we try and take that and shift it as, as parents. When... Really, there's only one person that's really responsible for that. And we need to listen to that. We need to hear how we're doing it, and we need to kind of work through that. And it's, in, like I said, in all areas of life. It can be from the schooling and the grades. It could be uh, even to uh, when we, when we want to go get something that we know isn't healthy for us. I used the example of Freddy's Burgers last night. I'm not sure if you've ever had Freddy's before, but it is really tasty. And not only is it really tasty, it's really not healthy. Um, and they've added fried pickles to the mix, which did not help. And they give this ranch dipping sauce in it. I know you guys are thinking, we're going out of here for Freddy's as soon as this is over. We're going to have another little church meeting over there. But I thought about that, and I'm like, you know, Freddy's every once in a while is good. But if I decide to eat Freddy's every day, I might not make it through the month of May. I might actually die. Or I might get so sick that somebody else, once again, will have to take care of me. And I thought about that from the standpoint of of. 20 years down the road, right now I'm physically okay. Right now I'm spiritually okay. Right now I'm mentally okay. Well, we won't go that far. But right now I'm doing pretty good in these areas. But if I decide to let any one of or all three of those slide, 20 years from now, who has to to shoulder that burden? Is it me? If I'm so physically unhealthy that I can't take care of myself, if I'm so mentally unhealthy that I can't take care of myself, if I'm so spiritually unhealthy that I can't take care of myself. No, my family and my friends, and even you, will have to shoulder that responsibility. So why don't we just sit down and have a talk and say, that's the way I want to live my life. And I'm just going to tell you that now. Kind of like that guy saying, hey, why don't you come and tell your mom that she needs to pick up your stuff for you? It makes it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more real, doesn't it? So the first thing I want to tell you is to listen to your blame. And think about how that affects 
your conversations, how that filters the way that you see a, a fight getting ready to take place or an argument or responsibility or whatever it might be. The second thing is this. The second thing is that, um, well, let me just kind of preface this. Uh, I'm not good at counseling. Um, I'm actually really bad at counseling. I will still do it if you want to come and sit and talk to me, but I generally will preface, and anybody who's sat with me knows this already, I will preface, I am not good at this. I will tell you the truth. I might hurt your feelings. That is, that is the, the way I approach it, unfortunately. God did not give me the gift of empathy. Um, actually, um, I think what it really is, is um, th- there's a study that came out this week that Tylenol, when you take Tylenol, it kills the pain, but it also kills your ability to be empathetic towards others. I think I just took too much Tylenol as a kid. And so um, I, I, will, I will walk into a counseling meeting with this very thing. And so I'm not real, real good at it. So I have to look towards others to say, okay, how can this happen? Because people will still come to me and I will still talk to you and that's no problem. But I get a lot of people who will come in and they will uh, will go through a marriage counseling and say, this is kind of what the problem is. And most of the time it's one spouse by themselves. And when they come in, you know what they tell me? Well, he did this and he did that or she did this and she did that. And it's a whole big thing. And I'm like, how do we deal with this? And I found this guy and I listened to him. And he said, this is what I do when I have these things. And I said, well, maybe this is the way it works. And, and what he said is I draw a circle on a piece of paper. And a circle on the piece of paper, it shows up. And what I have them do is I have them understand that this circle is 100% of the chaos in whatever relationship we're talking about. I want you to take a pen and I want you to cut a slice of pie that represent your portion of that 100% of the chaos. And so I found this, this pie graph here, this one that looks like Pac-Man eating a thing. And uh, um, the thing is, he said, when, when I have somebody do it, it's never that big of a slice. They never have that big of a percentage of the 100%. And he says, but whatever they do, and let's just say it's the blue there, and in that blue, let's say that's your percentage. He says, what I want to do is in that counseling meeting, in that time, I want to just focus on the blue part. I want to focus on your part. What can you do? So if the first one is listen to your blame, the second one is this. What's your part of the pie? Focus on what your part of the pie is. What is it? Figure out your slice. And as you figure that out, it will help us in our relationship. The problem that he said and the problem that I found is, is that when you go into that and you have somebody do it and you start off, guess what happens? They always leave their slice of the pie. Because that's our desire, is not to have the responsibility on us. So when we listen to our blame, when we see our circle, when we understand what our slice is, I believe we can move in the right direction because if in any relationship, whether that be in the country, whether that be between Democrats and Republicans, whether that be between a husband and a wife, however big, however small, if both parties can look at their slice of the pie and work on that, you will see progress. But we don't. So that is my challenge to you this week is to see progress, to figure out your slice, to listen to your blame, because God ultimately created us to be responsible. And I'll go back to the first question. Am I taking responsibility for my life? Really? Are you taking responsibility? Because as these graduates walk out, they're walking into a world that's going to tell them not to be responsible. My challenge is, is to buck that system.
and to be responsible, take responsibility, be a light, because that is what Christians should do. We've been given great power, and with great power comes great responsibility. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you again for your words. And once again, we want to thank you for these graduates. We want to thank you for the way that you have worked in lives, that you have brought people to a point. But God, even in those points, you've given us responsibility to to take care of what you've given us, to to share your word, to take care of those around us, to do the one another's. And God, we look at that and we see that we're more like Adam and Eve than we are like Jesus Christ. That we like to push our responsibility off where Jesus took all of our responsibility on him. He's the one that shouldered that burden. And God, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know that, that doesn't understand that, I would pray that you're working in their heart and their mind right now to understand who Jesus is, why he came, what he did, and why he did it for me, and why he did it for them. Because he could have easily said, this isn't my fault, but he didn't. He took the responsibility, he took the blame, he took it on him, he died on that cross. God, help us to be more like him as we are followers of him. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. God, I pray that we can have that same thing in our own lives. I pray that you work on us and you challenge us in that. We pray it in your name. Amen. You know, I was reading an article this week. And in that article this week, it said, uh, it said that churches have a tendency to take on the the mentality, the actions, the desires, the passion of the pastor. And I said, man, that is, a, that is a heavy load. That's a lot of responsibility that I don't want. That was my first response. But I know that's exactly what Paul said when he said, follow me as I follow Christ, that I'm just a lead follower. And I pray that wherever you are in your stage of life, whether it be at work, in retirement, graduating high school, college, master's degree, doctorate, whatever it might be, that you are the lead follower of those who are walking around you seeing that there needs to be somebody who takes responsibility. I'm going to be down here in the front. I want to pray with you. And as, uh, as we take those steps together, that God would give us the strength. He's given us the power, but that he would give us the willpower as well to walk through this, to take responsibility, to not blame other people. Like I said, I'll be down here in the front as we, uh, as we sing this last song.